0: Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, Throwing Shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com efct and become a subscriber for shout-outs. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade.
1: There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? The Shade knows. By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go get reporter for the Chicago Gazette-Times-Herald. But by night, he becomes The Shade, using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, to wear... Wait a minute. What is that music? We can't be trying another new theme song. We're almost done with the season. Why would we... What? It's whose theme song? The Mask? Seriously? Alright, fine. Apparently, folks, somebody here is trying to be all artistic all of a sudden. About two and a half seasons too late for that if you ask me.
2: I know how you feel.
1: What are you doing in my booth?
2: I thought we could sort of double up on this one. You know, since we're stretching the limits of credulity already, I thought...
1: Amscray, buddy. I'm a solo act.
2: I don't need to be rude. I'll go. Just because you exist in one level of fictional reality above
3: me.
1: And don't you forget it. Wait, what? All right, where was I? You know what? It doesn't even matter. Nothing makes sense anymore, so let's just get on with it. On to our story.
3: Ah! What the? Union rules. Unbelievable. Act 3, Scene 1. Mouth stuff.
1: Apparently, she does do it. While the Shade and the Vamp were dealing with an extremely unhappy ladder manufacturer, Melvin Clive...
4: The Masked Marauder, thank you very much.
1: And Anna Bracegirdle... Melvin says you should call me Marlowe Street. He's incessant.
3: Insistent. No,
1: she was right the first time. Now, if we can please move on... Melvin and Anna made their way to the offices of WBLW Radio, home to the barely contented housewife show. They carefully opened a rear window.
3: I'm sorry,
4: but I really must interrupt. Must you? If I must listen to a disembodied voice narrate my every move, I would prefer it said voice referred to me by the correct name.
1: Melvin,
5: don't make the voice angry.
4: Where's my man, Godfrey?
1: Doing brisk business at movie houses all across the country, I would think. When did he get a job in the movies? No, Godfrey
4: Fadiman, our narrator, he knows how to do this correctly. That's what I said.
1: Ah, how did you... You know what, I don't care. Fine, have fun. I'm gonna go get some coffee.
2: The mass marauder and Marlowe Street made their way to the offices of WBLW Radio, home to the barely contented housewife show. They carefully
3: opened a rear window. Um, I said they carefully opened a rear window. Hmm, this window seems to be
4: stuck. Maybe we should try to...
5: Try it again. I know you can do
3: it, Masked Marauder. Um, yes, all right. The Masked Marauder made another attempt. I'm sure you'll get it this time. No,
4: I I mean no. The window must have been nailed shut.
3: Highly suspicious. Let's try the back door. They tried the back door, only to find it locked. They tried the back door, only to find it locked. Sure is quiet out here. Herb, where's the foley? Herb's not here right now. What? He went with the shade and the vamp. Who are you? I'm Lori. I do the foley. Well? I don't work for you. Oh, come on. Union rules. Oh, for Pete's sake. Melvin! Anna! We're not going to be able to do any foley. Unless the two of you could make the sounds. What do you think? Melvin? Anna? Hello? Can you hear me? So, how's it going? Ah, that's not
1: funny. We'll have to agree to disagree. So, everything alright?
2: Oh, absolutely. It's just aces. Herb's not here, Your are artist, won't do anything, and now, for some reason, Melvin and Anna are ignoring me. How am I supposed to do my job? Won't someone please think of the narrator? They can't hear
4: you. Why not? We were speaking to each other just a few minutes ago. I certainly hope we can find our way into the building.
1: Maybe you should try the door.
4: I thought I did. I'm working on it.
1: Melvin and Anna could hear you because they're actors and were, at that time, involved as characters in what I was narrating. But now, they're the characters, the masked marauder and Marlowe Street, in what you're narrating. And characters can't hear their narrator.
3: My head hurts. But then, why could they hear you?
1: You started out in your own show, so technically... You're not really my character.
3: Is that true?
1: I have no idea. I'm making this up as I go. But coffee helps.
3: Coffee? Really?
1: Well, coffee with a shot of bourbon. Try
3: it. Ooh! More like bourbon with a shot of coffee.
1: Prohibition's over. Don't judge me.
3: Sherry's sure quiet.
4: Too quiet.
3: Sure is quiet. Give me a minute, will ya? So what do we do?
1: I could take back over. Then our foley artist would jump back in and the plot could go forward.
2: I have an idea. No, you don't.
3: Really? What? I forget. I'm not sure Melvin will like this. There is another
1: option. Oh? What? You do all the sound effects.
3: With your mouth. My mouth? What about all the stuff your foley artist has? You can't touch that. Why not? Union rules. rules.
2: Ah, nerds. Guess I'll go get a cup of... coffee.
3: Coffee.
1: Sorry about that, friends. I think we're back on schedule. All right, let's try this again. Melvin? Anna? The voice is back.
4: What have you done with Godfrey, you devil?
1: Godfrey's on a coffee break. I'll be steering this ship from here on
3: out. I refuse.
1: I'll refer to you by your character names. Thank you. When appropriate. What? Nothing. All right, everybody ready? Melvin Clive and Anna Bracegirdle... What did I just... ...fully embodying their characters of the masked marauder and Marlowe Street... She's good. ...carefully opened a rear window.
4: See, Marlowe? It just needed the marauder touch.
1: Yeah, that was it. And snuck silently into WBLW Radio.
4: Well, Marlowe, that seemed easy enough. Now, let's see if we can find...
1: Whirling around and turning on his flashlight, the masked marauder saw his sidekick, Marlowe Street, staring at him from inside a net dangling from the ceiling. Be careful, marauder.
3: I think the place might be (coughs) booby-trapped.
1: Act 3, Scene 2. Havarti will travel. The comedy gets cheesy. While the masked marauder was dealing with a trapped booby, ladder manufacturer Wendell Hauptman was having the truth wrung out of him. Huh? <laughs> Get it? Get it? <laughs> Ooh! Everybody's a critic. The shade, the vamp. And Herb Calpert now surrounded Wendell Hauptman in his office, where he continued to protest his innocence. I protest? I'm innocent. Innocent of
6: what? Whatever you think I did, I know nothing.
0: So you don't know Marion Sturgis?
6: I only know about the ladders.
0: That's what we're talking about.
6: But she said you didn't want to know about the ladders. That's the only thing we do want to talk about. Why did you not say so? I can show you several. There are more?
0: And here I thought we had all of them.
6: You have none of mine. I haven't shown you any of them. We have the ones you sent to Marion Sturges. I sent no ladders to her. I don't even deliver.
0: Don't try to flim-flam us, Wendell. We have them, and every one of them has your name on it.
6: That is impossible. I have never met Marion Sturgis, so she couldn't have any ladders of mine.
5: Nice try, Wendell. You know very well you mailed them.
6: Mailed them? You cannot mail ladders.
0: I'm reasonably certain that's the entire purpose of the postal system.
1: I want to know about these others. How many more have you written? Good
6: question. Are you mad? I have never ridden a ladder in my life. I'm not sure it's even possible to ride a ladder.
0: Are you saying you're illiterate?
6: Certainly not. My parents were married for two years before I was born. All right. Hauptman,
5: enough. These are are just some of the letters you wrote Marion Sturgis. And I have to say, your obsession with her is quite concerning. What? Ooh,
6: letters? I thought you said... Never mind. I am innocent.
0: So you're saying you didn't write Marion Sturgis? Telling her how much you loved her writing?
6: Yes, but there's nothing wrong with fan mail.
5: Or this letter, expressing how disappointed you were that she didn't use any of the ideas for the show you sent her? I'm allowed to express my opinion. Or this
3: one.
6: I'm sorry, who is he?
3: I'm your worst nightmare, a foley artist with nothing to lose.
0: Uh Herb. Maybe you could wait outside. Y- you know, in case Houtman has any accomplices.
3: Good idea, Shade. You can count on me. Herb. You actually have to go out there. Right. Sorry.
0: I don't know where he carries all that paraphernalia.
5: He must have industrial strength pockets.
6: If you don't need me anymore, I can leave.
0: Not so fast, Hauptmann. What do you have to say about this?
6: It is a letter, in an envelope.
0: Oh, right. Sorry. Now, what do you have to say about it?
6: I have very good handwriting.
5: Yes. Yes, you do. So it'll be easy for you to read the part where you threatened Miss Sturges. I say things when
6: I'm angry that I don't mean.
0: Oh, so you were joking when you said you would steal her most prized creation.
5: Sounds to me like you broke into her office to steal her script, found her there, and snatched her as well. I never... Wait,
6: what? Marion Sturgis is missing? You must find her. If only she would have met me, I could have protected her
5: and saved her show. I see. So the creepy ladder guy who wrote threatening letters was really her white knight.
0: Tell us another, Wendell.
5: The threats were just to convince her to take
6: me seriously. I loved that show. And her writing. But lately I could tell the strain was getting to her. The show became... derivative.
3: Derivative?
6: derivative? Yes. I mean, please, how often can you go to the same yoke? Marlo doesn't understand anything. She uses the wrong word. Hilarity ensues. Sooner or later, that well is going to run dry.
1: Folks, I'm not sure why, but I feel personally attacked.
0: But certain things will always be funny, no matter how often you use them.
6: Variety. That's all I ask for. Where is the slapstick? The sight gags? Limited usefulness in radio. And there's no character development. Marlowe is ridiculous. Thank you.
0: Here we go.
6: She has the memory of a goldfish. Anything she learns in one episode is forgotten in the next. She makes the same mistakes over and over. It's lazy writing.
1: All of a sudden, this show is living up to his name more than I ever thought possible. I couldn't agree more. She should have more agency.
0: Wait, she's employed by Cranston Lamont, so why would she work for an agency?
1: Ignore him. Wendell Hauptman did.
6: And then there's the relying on things just happening to make the mass marauder. He doesn't do anything. Solutions just appear. Deus Ex
5: Machina.
0: I love that book, especially the tilting windmills.
5: Personally, I don't see how the show stays on the air.
0: If it's such a bad show, why do you want to save it?
5: I wanted to take the strain off of Marion. She's
6: the only writer on staff, and it's obviously taking its toll. The show could be great again, if she would take my help. She was resistant to my advances.
0: That's not surprising.
6: This really isn't helping your case, Wendell. I just wanted to get her to say yes to a meeting. She refused, and I admit, my language did get a bit. Threatening? Insistent? But I would never hurt her.
0: So if you weren't planning on snatching the script and Marion, what prized creation were you talking about?
1: Before Wendell Hauptman could answer, the vamp noticed a peculiar odor. Shade, do you notice a
5: peculiar odor? Because I certainly do. That's nothing.
0: I do. That's repugnant.
6: I haven't had the chance to take the trash out today. Today?
5: It smells like you haven't taken the trash out for a
0: month. The smell seems to be coming from that large, person-sized freezer that somehow escaped our attention earlier.
5: Well, that's not suspicious at all. I'm glad you agree. Let's get back to... That
0: That was was facetious. I think you'll find you were being facetious.
5: No, I was being sarcastic, mocking, contemptuous.
0: You were clearly making light of a serious situation. Facetious.
5: I thought it was more
1: ironic.
0: It's It's not not ironic.
1: ironic. As the Shade and the Vamp turned back to their semantic argument... Wendell Hauptman edged toward the window in order to once again make his escape.
6: Hey, Wendell Hauptman is edging towards the window in order to once again make his escape.
0: Not so fast, Hauptman.
5: Nice try, Wendell. How did he know?
0: We have no idea.
5: It's a little disturbing, to be honest.
0: We try not to think about it.
1: Now let's go check that freezer. The Shade and the Vamp made their way over to the large, person-sized freezer and opened the lid.
3: Great Scott!
1: Good grief! That's That's awful. awful!
0: What in the name of all that's good and decent in the world is this? The
1: shade reached into the freezer and brought out what appeared to be a small human. Pale white with blue veins running throughout. Wendell, what have you done? It's not what you think.
0: I think it's a baby, but it feels strange.
1: And
6: stink to
5: high heaven.
6: You see, Marion had only one love besides writing. It was sculpting. This is a sculpture?
0: But what's it made of?
6: That was the odd thing. She belonged to an organization of sculptors who worked exclusively in the medium of cheese.
3: Cheese? Cheese.
6: Cheese? I knew they had a competition coming up, so I threatened to steal that sculpture.
0: So you're saying that you...
6: Kidnapped her Limburger baby, yes.
1: I'm sorry, folks. I need to go lie down. That makes two of us. We'll return to throwing shade in just a moment. But first, a word from. To be honest, I'm not sure who. Well, I don't know I can baby. it's <laughs> just
2: Haha, <laughs> now's my chance! Friends, does modern life give you a headache that lasts longer than a breadline? Does your head pound worse than a high school marching band's percussion section? Then try Nitronol headache pills. Yes, Nitronol will zap the headache away in mere minutes, thanks to its proprietary combination of eucalyptus, ethanol, and nitroglycerin. Take just one Nitronol tablet when you feel a headache coming on, and the pain will be gone so fast your head will spin. So get your Nitronol headache pills today. Um. Sorry, folks, I can't seem to find. Uh, Yeah, I I got nothing. I guess I'll just have to wing it.
1: I'm back! I'm back!
2: Ah, nerds.
1: Act 4, Scene 1. Lack of Intelligent Services. The Masked Marauder somehow uncovers the truth. While the Shade and the Vamp were busy with Wendell Hauptman and the Stinky Cheese Baby, across town at WBLW Radio, the stars of the Masked Marauder found themselves in a predicament that was definitely no Gouda.
3: Marlowe! What? Wait! Did you just say...
1: I said it and I stand by it.
4: I really need to call my agent. Marlo, you're trapped in a net.
1: But I've never met her. Please, Marauder, save me. The masked Marauder began looking for a way to free Marlo. but then something occurred to him.
4: Why would a radio station be booby-trapped? Search me. No, I doubt that would reveal anything useful.
5: Why do I feel insulted?
4: I know what will help.
5: Getting
1: me down?
4: I'll find a light switch.
1: That's fine. I'll just hang around up here. The masked marauder searched until he found a switch. He flicked it.
3: (coughs) Marlow? I think I found the release switch for the net. My hero.
1: Feeling along the wall, the masked marauder resumed his search for the light switch.
4: Here we are.
3: <coughs>
1: Marlo,
4: what happened?
3: I fell through a trapdoor. Don't
5: worry, there's a ladder.
4: Doesn't make any sense.
7: I know. Why would a radio station have a trap door?
4: I meant, why would they put a ladder in a booby trap?
7: Perhaps I could answer that.
1: As the lights came on, our hero saw Luann Maven, the star of the barely contented housewife, standing in the doorway. With a gun...
7: While my booby traps are effective, I will admit I didn't fully think through placing their switches so close to the light switch. So there have been a number of awkward moments with the trapdoor, hence the ladder. It's very sturdy. I bought it from a nice young man named Hauptman. Man knows his ladders.
4: All right, Luanne, where's Marion Sturges? Give up now, and perhaps the law will show you some leniency.
7: Oh, knock it off, Melvin. This isn't an episode of some ludicrous audio drama.
1: I wouldn't be so sure of that.
7: You can say that again. Why would I? Not you, her. Anna?
4: Sorry? No, the voice. What voice?
1: I know it's wrong, but I do get a kick out of this.
4: You should be ashamed of yourself. Who, me? No, dear, her. Me? No, the voice!
7: What voice?
4: <sighs> to be honest, I'm not sure. It's been a most trying day, and I missed cocktail hour.
7: Where's Marion? She's here, but you won't be getting her back.
4: <clears throat> Let her <clears throat> Let her go, you diabolical harpy, or you will know the wrath of the masked marauder.
7: You do remember I'm holding the gun, right? Oh, for heaven's
1: sake, enough. Marion. Marion? What have I always said?
4: Right, rule of three, sorry.
5: Marion. Thank you. You're free.
1: We did it somehow, I think. Nobody kidnapped me, you numbskulls. I left. You left? You left? Ooh, a twist. Thank goodness for that. This show was so straightforward and dull otherwise. But why? And why in the middle of a broadcast? I was tired. Tired of the criticism of my work by people who had never put pen to paper. Tired of having to write down to the level of barely talented actors.
4: That's a terrible thing to say about Elvia.
1: I'm talking about you two. There I was, slaving away on a back-breaking schedule, and nobody appreciated me. Not the actors, not management, not even people who claimed to be my fans. I'd had
7: enough. Then Luann paid me a visit. I was sick of being trounced in the ratings by your show. So I went to Marion with an idea. The barely contented housewife would change from a show about crafts and recipes, and become an exciting, adventure-filled cereal following the exploits of a housewife-by-day, top-secret spy-by-night.
4: That's absolutely... Actually, it sounds most intriguing. Exciting, wouldn't you say, Anna?
1: I just have one question. Buckle up, folks. This should be good.
5: If you're a housewife-by-day and a spy-by-night, when do you sleep?
7: What a ridiculous question. Obviously, I, uh, I mean, um, you know, I never thought about that. How
1: would I? It's called suspension of disbelief. It works. Touchy. I didn't know you spoke French. I left in the middle of an episode so you would all realize how important I was. That would teach you to not appreciate talent.
4: But, Marion, nobody ever doubted your talent. We all knew you were talented, and we loved what you did.
7: No dice, Melvin. You can't come groveling now. We all know how you criticized her work, sneering at her ideas. Exactly. Tearing everything apart.
1: Pointing out mistakes, plot holes, even typos. As if anyone cares. We were trying to help you. You were working too hard.
4: That's right. We wanted you to get help. Hire some other writers. Nobody can write a weekly show on their own. I can. I did. But you weren't able to keep that up anymore. We wanted you to slow down before you
5: collapsed. Maybe somebody new could help with new ideas?
4: Give you a push creatively. Get that smile back. The one you used to have in the early days.
7: We had a lot of fun back then. We really did. Hello, remember me, the one holding the gun?
4: Why are you holding a gun by the way?
7: Because you're not taking my rider. I've spent months planning this, learning about traps, weapons, espionage, spy craft. I can kill a man 16 different ways with nothing but a paper clip.
5: That's impressive. And disturbing. You'll never get that past the senses.
1: What? She's right. Depictions of violence have to be minimal, and you can't talk about
7: killing or murder. Are you serious?
4: Oh, definitely. You have to skirt around pretty much every vice.
7: How am I supposed to do a show about espionage and secret agents without talking about vice and violence?
1: It is a puzzle, puzzlement.
7: It doesn't matter. We'll break new ground. It's a chance to push boundaries, show how creative women can be. I won't let all that practice go to waste. Are you saying you actually practiced? You know, with the paperclip? How am I supposed to fully portray my character if I haven't lived their life?
4: Ever think of just acting? Oh my, that sounds familiar.
1: I can't be part of that. I mean, these two are crazy, but they're not that crazy.
3: Thank you, I think.
1: I'm sorry, Luanne, but you'll have to
7: find another writer. Come on, you two, let's get out of here. None of you are going anywhere. I guess I'll just have to cancel the mass marauder.
4: Unlikely. We're still strong in the ratings, and our sponsors are very happy with our- Oh, that's not what you meant.
7: Say goodbye, suckers. Goodbye, suckers.
1: Sorry. As Luann Maven raised her gun, Marion had a flash of inspiration. Look. The Shade! Where? Luanne Maven spun, firing blindly. The bullet hit the wall. More specifically, it hit a button in the wall, which triggered yet another booby trap. Leaving Luanne Maven hanging upside down from the ceiling, her ankle caught in a loop of rope. Curses! That was brilliant! Let's call the police, then head back to WNDY. I've got an episode to finish. But how did you know there would be another booby trap? Simple. The rule of three.
3: Act 4,
1: Scene 2. Stakes and Ladders. Loose ends get tightened and everybody learns a lesson. A few hours later, after the police took Luan Maven to the Hoosgow,
0: Come along quietly and don't make no sudden hooves. You are so lucky I don't
7: have a paperclip.
1: The Shade and the Vamp met everyone back at WNDY, and they had a few surprises with them.
0: I'm glad to see you're back, Miss Sturgis. The masked marauder wouldn't be the same without you.
1: Thank you, Shade. I'm quite happy you enjoyed it.
0: I think you'll be happy to have this little fella back as well.
1: Is that a baby
6: sculpted out of...
1: cheese? Limburger, Charlie, I was wondering where he went. We have someone here who can
5: answer that question. Wendell! Hello,
6: Mrs. Sturgis. I'm so very sorry for taking your cheese sculpture. Why is there a stinky cheese baby in my office? Yes, why is there a very odiferous infant made out of cheese in Mr. Goldwing's
1: office? You wouldn't believe us if we told you. You, the fan who's been threatening me. Call the police.
3: For what? Cheese napping? I guess you could
7: call it a Monterey hijack. Which reminds me, I need to not make puns. I think you'll want
5: to hear what he has to say, Marion. Miss Sturgis, I love your work.
6: I just want to help you. Be someone to bounce ideas off of. Really? It's all I've ever wanted. To help you keep making wonderful art. Get him. He thinks this is art.
7: That's an absolutely marvelous... Marvelous idea. Apparently, it is a marvelous idea. I'm quite confused. I've been stubborn, insisting that I'm the only person who
1: can write this show. I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy collaborating.
5: He certainly
6: knows his lattice. Oh, thank you. Hold on just one minute. Who says I'm looking to hire another writer? I've got a budget to think about, you know.
5: Yes, Mr. Goldwing can't just throw money around, willy-nilly,
6: hither and yon, to and fro. We get the idea, Moydle. He has responsibilities, investors, shareholders. Won't somebody please think of the producers? Well said, Moydle. Take something out of petty cash and take yourself to dinner on me. Oh,
1: thank you, Mr. Goldwing. How's your budget going to look with no writers, no show, and no sponsors? Welcome aboard, Wendell. I hope you work for scale. Shame on you. You
6: should pay him in money like everybody else. Does this mean I can get a raise since I play at least seven people per episode?
2: If Randy did not raise this, might I point out the importance of a smooth, competent narration?
1: Well said.
3: Don't forget Foley. Exactly.
6: Fine. Sure. Why not? Everybody gets a raise. Anything to get the ball rolling again? We've got a show coming up next week, and after the train wreck yesterday was, we're gonna need a doozy. No problem, Mr. Goldwing. I've got this idea about Irish mobsters and the mayor secretary.
1: Ooh, I like that. It's so original.
6: Well, what are the rest of you doing standing around here? Go! Do whatever it is you would do.
1: Out of my office.
2: I do have quite the extensive regimen of tea, lozenges, honey, and barnyard sounds I need to get to.
1: That sounds really helpful.
3: Wait, barnyard sounds? You'd be surprised how free uh, an extended bleat can be.
7: I too must go make preparations. I've finished the first seven, and I am starting the eighth. Which reminds me, I need a cushion.
6: Better go get another pack of cigarettes and a bottle of hooch. Why? Helps keep the voice low. I'm mostly a man.
0: I have so many questions.
3: I should be going as well. For some reason, I really want to get a metronome. And an accordion.
6: That's got to be the first time anybody said they wanted an accordion. I don't know whether to thank you two or throw you out of my office.
3: I think you'll find this will make your show much better. And profitable. Well, why didn't you say so? Great job, both of you. Now,
6: if you'll excuse me, I gotta go make sure Moital doesn't treat herself to more than two courses.
1: Sammy Goldwing crossed to his office door, then
3: stopped. Hey, how much longer am I gonna hear that voice? What What voice? Don't worry, Sammy.
1: That should all end right about... This has been Throwing Shade, sponsored by Nitronol Headache Pills. Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's premier storefront theater, eclectic full-contact theater, reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com E-F-C-T and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month, so support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network, Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Clusterfuck, Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. So there's something for everyone. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pond. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Houle, Serena Johnston, Noelle Kleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, Monica Safflick, and Julian Serna. Our Foley artist is Lori Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Hu. and I'm your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina, Tina Salamone. Salamone. Tune in next week. same, same, same time, same, 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 same stage. Stage station!
0: Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Pond.
5: And I'm Jessica Lauren Fisher.
0: You might remember us from such podcasts as, well, this one.
5: We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our followers on Patreon, including Karen Osterman and Cassie Russell.
0: Mike Drugan, Laurie Iyer.
5: And our newest member, Natividad Salgado.
0: It's thanks to your support that the shade keeps running.
5: And falling into manholes. Why, do you? But if you're scared of commitment, like some people I could mention... I
0: have no idea what you're talking about.
5: You can make a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash EFCT.
0: Which would be appreciated. Podcasting is a cold, lonely business.
5: You have central heating and a Snuggie.
0: You promise never to speak of the Snuggie.
5: Anyway, thank you again for all your support. Say goodnight, Andrew.
0: Goodnight, Andrew.
5: Oh, boy.